to empower people with not just the philosophical tools, but the inspiration to break free from the system. Welcome to the Flagship Alliance of Liberty Podcast, your weekly dose of education, inspiration, and real-world application from the top minds in the liberty movement. If you want liberty, we need to be better leaders, better husbands, better fathers, better friends, better businessmen. Happy Saturday, Kitty Cats. That's right. A special bonus edition of Lions of Liberty here for you this Saturday because I really wanted to air this interview uh, in which I was a guest on Counterflow with Buck Johnson last week. Uh, Buck invited me onto his show because he had noticed a big change in a lot of the way in the ways I was speaking about a lot of issues, uh, both politically, uh, spiritually, and he wanted to have me on to really explore that. And this is honestly maybe my favorite, not maybe, it is, no offense to anyone else who has interviewed me. This is my favorite interview I have ever been uh, the subject of. Uh, of course, I've every interview on Lions of Liberty I've ever been the host of are the first 510 best interviews of all time. But right after all of those, uh, no, it, this is really, truly a wonderful interview that, that Buck conducted with me. And he, I mean, he got he got a lot of things out of me that I, I probably wanted to say or didn't even realize I wanted to say. And, and Buck really has a talent of drawing things out. Now, normally when I do something like this, I would, uh, you know, I would chop out the commercial maybe chop out the host intro, but uh, I'm leaving it all in here for you today. Not just because I'm a little lazy, but also because a couple of Buck sponsors that you're going to hear mentioned are also sponsors of Lions of Liberty. So you'll hear Buck mention Zipix Toothpicks. You'll hear Buck mention Lauren Zotti Coffee. These guys are sponsors of Lions of Liberty as well. So I'm not going to go chopping the ads out. We're all friends here. We're all sponsors. We're all part of this uh, community together. So uh, I encourage you to check out Buck sponsors, who are also our sponsors. And and, uh, of course, you'll be hearing his promo codes in these episodes. Uh, promo code Buck, I believe, in the same case, both for Zipix and Lorenzotti uh, Italy, Lorenzotti Coffee. Uh, and, of course, you can also use promo code Lions. Uh, for Lorenzotti for 10% off your order. You can also use promo code ROAR for 10% off your Zipix order. Now, I believe with Zipix, these are for your quote-unquote first order. So if you've used one promo code, maybe you use the other. I don't know. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you that you have options out there, my friend. So uh, at the end of the day, I don't care whose promo code you use or if you use one at all. I just want you to support our great sponsors because they enable us. They enable people like me and Buck to do what we do, uh, to do these shows and not sweat the money out of our own pockets because these guys are here supporting us just like our Patreon supporters, our members of the Lions of Liberty Pride support us on Patreon. Of course, you can join that uh, if you support the work we do and uh, you don't just want to contribute directly and get access to all sorts of bonus content, bonus audio content like Conspiracy Corner, uh, like Degenerate Gamblers, like Drunken Howie Story, like Brian's Daily Show, Good Morning Fuckhead. We have so much content behind the paywall on Patreon. You can get it all for as little as $5 a month. So please do check that out out as well but you guys are going to hear me talking a lot in this episode so i'm just gonna shut my trap right now toss it over to buck and i hope you guys really enjoy uh this real deep dive probably the the the, the deepest i've ever gotten on a lot of subjects uh in this interview so please do enjoy it and of course go and subscribe to buck johnson's counterflow if you are not already it is a fantastic show buck is just a tremendous interviewer so enjoy the show guys i gotta tell you guys about zipix nicotine toothpicks they're flavored toothpicks with nicotine in each one. I want to tell you about them because you might have heard them advertised now on some other podcasts because their name is getting out there. Let me tell you this little fact. 
this was the first podcast that they ever advertised on. And that is because I actually reached out to them. I already used this product and I thought I might as well advertise for them. That's how much I like them. And I still use them all the time. They're flavored toothpicks, like I said, with nicotine in each one. Check out the flavors. Peppermint, watermelon, excellent. They've got the old school cinnamon. Remember the cinnamon toothpicks you would have as a kid? This is basically the adult version. They've got sweet whiskey, sweet wood. They've got mocha, spice, island clove. Very, very good as well. So basically, if you're trying to kick a bad habit, maybe go for the cheapest alternative on the market. That would be Zipix Toothpicks over at ZipixToothpicks.com. And of course, they want to support this show. And so do you. And if you want to buy some of these toothpicks, that helps this show out. So promo code BUCK at checkout. B-U-C-K gets you 20% off of your order. That is 20% off when you enter promo code BUCK, B-U-C-K, at ZipixToothpicks.com. Let's get to the show. You are now listening to the Counterflow Podcast, a place for dissonant voices and unapproved opinions. You get split in fucking half, cause I call them the hologram wrath, but I am the center inside the placenta of math. You clash with cyanide gas and die fast, rhythmically equivalent of solids, liquid and gas. We smash your sinus with the power of Lord Titus, but I am the virus inside of the iris of Cyrus. Here is your host and humble narrator, Buck Johnson. What's up, you guys? Welcome back once again to another episode of the Counterflow Podcast. I'm happy to have my friend, the head Lion of Liberty, Mark Clare, on the show today. Before we get to Mark, I do have to say my weekend up in Oregon was really a good time. Thank you to the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus for, for making that happen. Basically, I was up in Cascade Locks, Oregon, which is truly one of the most beautiful areas I've ever been to in the United States. I really mean that. What a wonderful little area to do this convention that the Libertarian Party of Oregon put on there. And I got to speak at it. I had fun. I I met some really good people up there, had some great beers, had some great dinners, lunches. It was a great time. So again, thank you guys for making that happen. Thaddeus Russell, my friend Thad was up there as well. His speech how do these guys do it? They're, Thad talked for like an hour and 15 minutes or something, not one note. And he held the audience's attention the entire time. It was, uh, it's inspiring to see people like that do things like that because it's uh, quite impressive. I love to see people who are good at what they do, do their thing. And speaking of that, Kyle Ruff and Robbie the Fire Bernstein were up there doing some comedy. Also, very good. And it was uh, neat. Robbie shared some of his his secrets on exactly how he does what he does. You know, his set was probably 45 minutes and not one note again. And it's, it's amazing. These guys do their thing so well. Robbie and Kyle will also be at Childerberg here in Texas at the end of the month. And I will be there as well. I know Scott Horton will be there. So hopefully I get to meet some of you guys. If, uh, if you see me, come up and say hi. We'll be at the event on Saturday, the 29th. It's at uh, a distillery. I believe it's called Iron, Iron Wolf Distillery. We will all be at that, just hanging out. I like bourbon, if you were wondering. And uh, get to meet some of you guys there. I hope the YouTube channel, you guys are finding it. It's nice. I keep getting all these new subscribers because for a long time, we didn't really feature it. 
And now we are featuring it. My man, Justin puts all of these videos, like for instance, the one that you're about to hear this discussion between Mark Claire and myself, there will be a video up on our YouTube page. Counterflow with Buck Johnson, of course, is the search for that. And he puts little clips up there throughout the week, very shareable, you know, two minute clips of, of poignant parts of the conversations that we have here on the show. And the Telegram app is blowing up as well. Good to see a lot of you guys coming in and taking part in the discussions that we have in the Telegram app, the Counterflow with Buck Johnson room. Got a lot of good stuff going on in there. And speaking of good stuff, I'm glad to get my pal Mark Clare back on the show. He hasn't been on the show since it was called Death to Tyrants, which has now been quite some time. It's his first appearance on the Counterflow podcast, as it were. So I invited Mark on because I've noticed there's certain people within our little circles here that I've noticed some interesting evolving going on in their thinking. And not only is, I actually don't get to this in this discussion, but Mark's interview style has really impressed me. I, I'm influenced by the way he does things on his show. And I think that he's kind of stepped up to a new level, even than he used to be at, which has always been very good. But he's really coming into his own in that regard too. But I have noticed some little different aspects of the way he thinks and approaches politics and, and philosophy in general. And so I reached out and said, why don't you come on and we'll talk about the evolution of the libertarian mind of Mark Clare. And this is going to be fun because he's also a big wrestling fan, as am I. And I hope we don't get into too much of it for you guys that don't even care about something like that. But I think we make some very good analogies between wrestling and not only politics, but libertarian politics specifically. So look forward to that and see what you think. Mark Clare was the, I don't want to say founder of, he's really, he co-founded the Lions of Liberty brand and the website with three of his fellow Penn State alumni. The website soon evolved from opinion pieces and daily news articles into the Lions of Liberty podcast, which Mark founded in 2013. Think about that. I've only been doing this, what, I think 2017, 2018. See, I don't, I don't even remember. It's not that old. But Mark Clare has been doing this since 2013. There were not a lot of libertarian podcasts back then, that's for sure. So I'm happy to have him on the show now from the Lions of Liberty, the flagship show of the Lions of Liberty. Mark Clare, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Buck, what's happening, man? Ready to roar or what? Yeah, I'm ready to hear you roar. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed to ask that on other yeah. people's shows. I get confused. Yeah. I get lost so easily. Don't sue me for trademark infringement, Brian or someone will. Um, where are you? Spiritually, physically? No, no. We're going to get uh, to that physically at the moment. No, I'm currently in uh, central Mexico, a little town called Xochitepec. This is actually where I spent about three months last year when I got furloughed from my job in Los Angeles. This is where me and my now wife, at the time not wife, uh, yet came and spent three months together last year. I was kind of, you know, the... Uh, I don't know, the fermentation of our relationship as well, you might say, uh, if that's a word. And uh, yeah, so now we're just we're just only here for a few weeks, unfortunately. We're hoping to come for longer. Um, but, you know, um, I, we're, we're in the middle of immigration things right now. And mm -hmm. uh, none of it's straightforward. Well... It's straightforward, but it's not easy. Let me say, let me put it that way. Um, it's it's it should be straightforward. It should be easy, but it's not. And there's a lot of uh, 
There's a lot of limitations on what you can be doing depending on where you are in the process. We had to get like a special permission uh, just to be here for these these couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, but here we're we're here for just uh, you know just another week or so, and then back in the U.S. for hopefully just a few weeks, and then hopefully back for a couple months. So, Who do we'll you have see. to get permission from to be there for a few weeks? The United. Well, I don't need permission from anybody. I'm good. Uh, the United Oops. States government needs to give my wife permission to leave the United States because of where we were, where we are in the middle of our immigration process. Which oh, seems, gotcha. Which yep. seems counterintuitive because they make it so damn hard for you to get in here. I mean, we were very lucky that uh, after we had met, my wife had no problem getting a tourist visa. So she was able to come to the U.S. and visit me uh, when we were first starting the date. Um, but that, that's because she had already had two previous visas. She already had a student visa like 10 years ago and like another tourist visa. So she already had like a a track record of someone who wasn't going to quote unquote, break the rules that was going to come to the United States and come back. But for most people uh, from Mexico, it is extremely difficult to get a tourist, even, even any kind of visa here. I mean, forget like a work visa, like that's, that's nearly impossible. Uh, But a, a tourist visa just to come visit, even if you have family, friends, what have you, it's nearly impossible. You have to really show uh, like a tremendous amount of income, a tremendous amount of income for Mexico, or uh, you have to really, show a lot of ties to the country it's very very difficult to do like when my wife first went and got her tourist visa uh like two years ago uh like when she was waiting for her turn to go to the window and get approved or not literally the 10 people before her were all walking away upset and crying and angry that they got denied their visa just a simple tourist visa just to come visit uh so it's extremely difficult so i always just laugh when anybody ever says to just do things the the easy way or the legal way. And I'm not saying people shouldn't do things the legal way. We're doing everything the legal way. But, you know, the, the idea that it's that it's some simple thing that just anybody could just do if they just got in line or just went and signed up. No, that's absurd. That's not even remotely true, no matter where you're from. But especially if you're from uh, a country that that is seen as sort of on a lesser economic scale or doesn't have a special agreement with the United States, like uh, friends of ours from... Uh, uh, you know, Europe and Australia, like my friend Anthony Samaroff, he can just fly yeah. right in and doesn't even yeah. need to get a visa in advance. No problem. But um, for the vast majority of the world, that is not the case. Wow. What a pain in the ass then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is funny because you often do hear the, just follow the, the legal way to get in and everything should be fine. You know, why, for, why for would the, you? For most people, there is no legal way. There, it, it doesn't exist. So the idea of following it, is just a, a false premise in the beginning because it doesn't exist for the vast majority of people. Uh, and like, I'm not necessarily like, um, I don't know. I, my position on the ideas of borders has kind of ebbed and flowed over times. Like, like I'm not necessarily saying that, eh, no, yeah, I am necessarily saying it. <laughs> I'm, I am necessarily saying that borders are bullshit. And basically I'm not saying they shouldn't exist because I think, I think it's a complicated issue, especially when we look at it from the, the sort of libertarian property rights, anarcho-capitalist uh, mentality or philosophy. Um, like, yeah, of course in Ancapistan, there's going to be all sorts of borders borders everywhere. Um, but the, the country borders that currently exist, um, for anybody to act like those are remotely legitimate in any any kind of property sense is just historically, factually, philosophically, you know, completely inaccurate and bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Do you think that 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 actually just something just popped into my mind as you said that because I'm sure you've heard over the years as I have that for an outsider perspective, someone who's not a libertarian, and this was probably my early on approach to it, is that there's this mentality of 
well, in your world, then anything would go. Mm. And after you read people like Hans Hermann Hoppe, and you have maybe that understanding of what, quote unquote, Ancapistan would look like, sometimes it seems actually very, very strict. And, and so yeah. much, no, not only does anything not go, very often in certain communities, it'd be much stricter than it is right now. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, the problem is one organization, one coercive organization having an, a monopoly on what goes and what doesn't go. And that applies to everything, uh, including the border situation. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, when one organization controls the ebb and flow of people across that border, um, that's going to result in unintended consequences all all around. Uh, whereas in the quote unquote, everything goes of Afghanistan, like you said, uh, I think they're going to see layers and layers and layers of rules and layers and layers and layers of borders depending on various communities and various community standards and what certain people want to do in their own particular, um, you know, however they, however people tend to organize their own communities, uh, just as they do now. Um, like we can look all around us and see communities organizing on their own. It's just that we then insert this concept of the state on top of them. So, yeah. I mean, I think even when we look at the, the, you know, the status of the United States of America and all these cities and towns that have sprung up over the several hundred year history of the country, a lot of those are just, were just organically created communities by people sort of centering around certain uh, geographical areas, uh, centering around certain industries and all moving to a similar area. And then at some point they say, well, this is a town now. A bunch of us live here. Now this is a town. To me, that sort of organic community building is perfectly in line with um, with you know libertarian property rights theories as, as you know not you now what getting not getting into the area of whether that particular land was uh you know taken justly or not who knows i mean that's that's all a nuanced kind of thing and on a case-by-case -case basis um but yeah i mean then we've just kind of later on inserted the concept of okay now this town is actually a part of uh allegheny county per se in pennsylvania and allegheny county is part of pennsylvania and that now they have to listen to all these other layers of dictates oh and pennsylvania is a part of the united states and you know it's, it's when we get to those sort of um those i don't know if you want to call them artificial or uh though i mean they're created by by humans uh but uh, they're kind of just inserted over these naturally forming communities that are going to happen regardless of the state how are things in mexico compared to california where you've gotten away from for the last few weeks uh well <laughs> california i mean yeah, yeah california is california um uh you know i i, I gotta say like when it comes to just like the covid stuff um where I am specifically in this very small town, it's, um, I wouldn't say it's like, it doesn't exist. Like I still have to put on a mask when I go to the grocery store. Uh, okay. but I don't have to put one on when I'm going to the local, uh, you know, the, the lady who's going to make me some quesadillas in her little, in her little restaurant. I mean, they don't say anything. They don't, I don't think most people really care. I think it's what it is here. It's more, again, this is what really shows you the difference between like government and culture and, and, mm -hmm. and so much of culture is moved now through like the corporations. So it, it almost isn't going to matter what the laws of Mexico are. When I go to the, bo the uh, Bodega Aurora down the street, uh, I have to wear a mask and my temperature gets taken. Uh, Bodega Aurora is owned by Walmart. So, the, you know, oh. that, that's, that's the difference. That's when you're going to see those kind of rules in place, probably like wherever those, 
those companies are located. I mean, they're going to, the rules are going to change depending a little bit on, on localities and that sort of thing. But uh, I mean, I don't think there's any, I'm not exactly sure. There might be a, a, some kind of local mandate about that stuff here, but I'm pretty sure it is driven by the specific companies themselves, at least in this town, at least in this small town. Like there mm-hmm. is, there's no police force going around enforcing, uh, you know, it, it's actually, the, the idea is a, is a laughable concept. The idea uh, of, of in Mexico, like the police going around enforcing some kind of uh, coronavirus restrictions, at least on, on local businesses when it comes to like, no one's going to enforce this stuff on these local mom and pop, um, which is like a vast majority of the economy here. Um, whether it's just the lady making quesadillas, the little tienditas where I bought this nice 40 of Victoria, um, <laughs> These are essentially just completely unregulated businesses because the you know whatever laws might be in place. I'm sure if you actually compare the actual laws of uh, Mexico to the United States, uh, maybe there are a lot of you, you might be able to say the United States has you know maybe better laws. I don't know uh, in terms of business, maybe not in some areas, uh, but how they are actually applied is is the main difference. And it, you know, it's one thing to look at the books, and it's another thing to be there on the ground. And the fact is, the vast majority of the Mexican Mexican economy is still, you know, in many ways, a cash economy as much as people can. I mean, people try to mm-hmm. avoid banks like the plague here because the banks here are just horrible. I mean, you're, you can, you can't even transfer money to people without getting taxed on that transfer. Uh, so people just do everything they can to avoid avoid banks, uh, you know, and, and to avoid being wrapped up in whatever whatever regulations might exist here that might apply to the big companies. Those don't apply to the vast majority of people, at least once you get out of the big cities where people are just interacting and just, you know, buying and selling and, you know, that sort of thing. Almost all business is done uh, like hand to hand, you know, with cash. Interesting. Is there, well, I should say, are there plans to... You said you have to go back to California soon. Are there plans to be out of California for good? Well, I will say I'm currently employed full time in California, so of course there's no plans. No, I'm. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I can openly talk about the things that I that I think about and discuss. I have on other podcasts, uh, and I am very grateful for my my current uh, full time job in in California because it does provide the things that a lot of the things I need in life, and I actually yes. do enjoy my job a lot. Um, what yes. I don't enjoy are a lot of the restrictions that have come in that have made you know going to that job more miserable thanks to the state. Not more miserable. I actually. Like the job itself, I actually enjoy quite a lot. Um, but, um, you know, now we have all these various restrictions that are are supposedly about to be eased uh, when it comes to yeah. masks. Um, I, although masks, I'm not convinced, are, are going away, at least in California ever. Even yeah. the laws change, I think the yeah. most people are still going to be wearing them. Yeah, I, I, I get that feeling too. I think your job is cool. Are we allowed to say the organization that you work for? Yeah, it's fine. I've talked about it on other shows at this point. Okay, yeah, the NFL Network. Yeah, it seems to me in the NFL world, which I follow very closely, Mm -hmm. that they are trying to make things back to normal. Do you get that vibe from your job? Well, mm, how much do I want to go into here? Oh, Um, yeah, you can't. And and I say this, (laughs) I'm a Raiders fan, so I follow that organization. And so Vegas... Right. Vegas is like June 1st, everything's completely back to normal. Uh, right, the commissioner right. of the NFL is saying, I expect every stadium to be 100% full. I've actually, the one thing that I was, I'm deathly afraid of is that they're going to have a vaccine, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, passport required right. upon entering an NFL game, in which case my heart will be crushed and broken to not ever go to one again. But I don't have that vibe that they're actually going to go through with anything like that yet. 
I, th- I think we need to make the distinction, like when we're talking about the games and, and the fans and that sort of thing. Yes, I think they're they're probably trending to bring things as back to normal as possible. A, because that's where the public is going. Finally, I think yes. to an extent, yeah. um, there's going to be a certain section of the populace that never goes back. That has been permanently mentally yep. damaged by this, and it's yep. it's sad to see. It's like it's kind of an extension of the Trump thing. You saw so many people literally they broke when Trump was elected because yeah. not only did they not think it was possible, they actually were brainwashed into believing that not only is Donald Trump a racist and the next Hitler? Um, but but that 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 is such a fact that anybody that would have voted for him is also supporting those exact same things that they have deluded themselves into believing he represented. Uh, but that was small potatoes compared to uh, what's gone on with the psyche of people that have come under the fear of coronavirus. And I want to make it really clear because some people will, you know, when I whenever I talk about this stuff in sort of a casual way, uh, I'll get a lot of like, oh, so you don't believe in coronavirus or this or that. No, I believe in coronavirus. I know someone who died of coronavirus three weeks ago. I definitely believe it exists and I definitely believe it can hurt people. Um, But that's a completely separate conversation from the psychological disease because that's the real pandemic ultimately is is the ways people, people's psyches have changed uh, over this. And at at this point in it, we know exactly. And I, I mean, Basically, exactly. Of course, there are always exceptions and always, you know, weird little circumstances. We know exactly who this thing can affect. uh, And really, they've known for quite some time effectively how to treat it and what kind of treatments can help it for getting the vaccine. Um, But that information was just lumped in with Donald Trump. Uh, so now if you if you wanted to take hydrochloroquine a year ago, uh, somehow that leads you to now you're a Trump supporter. And of course, that means you're a racist and that mm-hmm. means you're a Nazi. And all of this has seemingly now been tied together in the same mentality. Um, I was at one point thinking that this was just, you know, going to permanently affect everyone. And now mm-hmm. I'm seeing it, it's more like because I now have have had to have talked to enough normal people that don't get immersed in politics. And I actually think that most normal people that aren't completely immersed in this stuff are, are over it are so beyond over it and don't really think that much of, of the whole thing, especially when it comes to any kind of restrictions and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, but there is going to be a segment of the population and some of that's some of those, uh, some of that segment are close friends of mine and family members of mine that are never going to be able to go back in some ways that are, that are always going to have this, this germ, this new germ fear in their minds as if we haven't been living with various kinds of viruses for all of time for as long as mankind has existed. Uh, the viruses were here a lot, a lot earlier than we were anyway. Uh, so we've been living with this stuff forever. That doesn't mean that when we find something out, when something pops up that we shouldn't respond to it as individuals, as communities, uh, as organizations. I mean, keep in mind, it was this all really started when the NFL, well, not really the NFL, it was actually baseball and the NBA yeah. uh, both shut, shut everything down. Uh, it was only after that that we saw the lockdowns come in. It was only after that that we saw, uh, you know, governors and and the president and the federal government reacting. It was private industry that reacted first. And it may be private industry opening up, like you're referencing uh, with the NFL wanting to bring games back to normal and that sort of thing. Um, that's going to hopefully make things normal or closer to normal for a lot of people. But I, I think we all know that as, as close to normal as we ever get back, it's never going to be like it was. And it, it, I think what we're going to see is the attempt to 
basically inoculate the population. Uh, I'm both talking about a literal virus and uh, not a virus, but a literal vaccine and and the psychological uh, inoculation of yeah. you know of of a continued fear, continued fear of things that 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 remove our humanity from us. I mean, that's, that's my biggest problem. Well, not my biggest problem. I have a lot of problems. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the moral problem, the, uh, the problem from the, the angle of libertarian philosophy uh, of, of lockdowns and mask mandates and all of this stuff. But on a different level, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a problem of, of separating people from their humanity. Um, I don't know if it's true about, uh, you know, I've seen things saying, you know, six feet is the exact uh, amount of radius that your yeah. your body's energy flows out of. So that's why they made social distancing six feet. I don't know if that's true or not, but it, the concept is certainly true. When you want to keep people further away from each other, uh, make people afraid to shake hands and hugs and hug each other. I mean, that is how humans connect. And, yeah. and also not to see our faces, not to see each other's smiles, not to smile at each other in the street. I mean, I'm the kind of person and when I'm walking around, uh, normally, like, I walk by people, I say, hello, I smile at them. Um, that doesn't exist in my neighborhood in California anymore. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been like three weeks since I've been there, so maybe things have yeah. changed. Uh, but even as, as soon as three weeks ago, not only do my neighbors like, not smile and smile at me anymore, they run away from me because I'm not wearing a mask because mm-hmm. I'm walking outside with my dogs and I'm not afraid of getting coronavirus from them or anybody else I walk by because that's not a thing that was ever a, a thing that, that that happened uh so but you know the, the vast majority of the population uh there anyway specifically ha- is just completely com- completely in fear of this thing and it's you know it's not gonna matter i mean you even see people saying like when they're starting to open up june 1st i mean i see comments on twitter like even when gavin newsom is now saying like we got to open everything up i think it was june 1st it might be june 15th something like that you'll see tons of comments of people saying this is terrible this is this is because the republicans are pressuring him to with the recall like he's gonna oh. open up and we're gonna turn into texas as if that's a bad thing because wow. they actually still think that they, they actually think that everyone is dying in texas and florida why no reason because that's what they were told was going to happen and and reality is completely disconnected from from the narrative i think that's just a big theme of what i've been learning this last year or two uh especially when it comes to my pr- approach about talking about things it's it's uh, libertarians are so focused understanding because I think a lot of the, the kind of people that become libertarians are, are people that eventually get hit with the logic of it. Yeah. Uh, and we run into the place where we say, well, no, actually, yeah, this is entirely logical. And uh, these other political philosophies don't make sense and they don't follow from A to B to C. And that's why a lot of us, uh, I, I don't think it's what inspires a lot of us. Like that's not what inspired me to get excited about yeah. liberty, liberty. It was seeing Ron Paul boldly stand on the stage and you know say things that he wasn't supposed to say and then not back down when they literally mocked him and made fun of him. That's what inspired me. Um, but that, that's not, that's not, not, that's not what first got me to the ideas. Like I did get there through just reading and, and the logic of it or what have you. That's what makes it click to us. Yes. I think. Yeah, exactly. I think that's and, what makes it click to people like you and I are the kind of, you know, the kind of semi autistic agroish people yes. that, that tend to get into this philosophy. Uh, but that's not what moves people. That's not right. what moves, uh, what right. moves humanity. It's not what moves civilizations. And so I, I think I've been a lot more attracted to people that are, that understand that more and that are uh, aware that we need more than the charts and the graphs 
laughs and yes. God bless Tom Woods. He's done yeoman's work, like like looking looking at all these charts and graphs from various countries and the mass mandates and the lockdowns. Yeah. But I think all that he's doing is proving to people like you and I what we already know and what we already believe. And I don't think it's it's that stuff is sadly really swaying anyone. Right. Um, so it's it's <laughs> we have to really begin to recognize that if we actually want to move civilization. Because that's what I want to do. I want to move the freaking civilization. Um, I want to see the world in a much freer, um, you know, much. Uh, I don't know what the what the word I'm looking for is. I don't want to say spiritual. I don't want to turn everything into this hippy dippy bullshit. That, that <laughs> but um, that is what I want to see. I, I want to see people more connected with themselves. Uh, I want to see people yeah. freer to to pursue things, to pursue the kind of lives that they never even would have dreamed of. Because our systems that we have in place suppress ideas so much, um, suppress the idea of trying new things, of of blazing your own path. Uh, we are literally taught to you know through this through our shul, through the the uh, Prussian school system that we still use that was designed to create soldiers, uh, that's still what 90, 95% of the population goes through. And the people that break out of that without coming, without just having this sort of soldier mentality, um, they're few and far between. You know, they're people that... I'm not saying that like you or I are are super special. I think everyone's special in their own special way, but but we are rare. I mean, in, in yeah. the sense that we have had to, uh, we've been able to undo a portion of our our brainwashing to an extent. You hit upon like ten different things in that monologue that I that I <laughs> want to ask about. You got about. me in a rant zone, but I did good. <laughs> well, you said that there's a segment of people that won't go back to normal. You also, interestingly enough, almost like summarized the speech I just gave in Oregon, which was, we are so focused on stats and logic and reason. Mm -hmm. And we're just like, why don't these people understand what I'm talking about? And there's right. just giant segments that don't particularly care about that kind of thing. But anyway, you, you said there's a segment of people that aren't going back to normal. And I'm going back and forth in my mind. I think there was already mental, I mean, the best way I can, maybe it's kind of cold sounding, but there was mental issues with part of the population. And I think they were just kind of laying dormant, maybe in mm -hmm. 2020 seemed to, they reared their heads quite a bit. And I think that segment of the population that will always wear two masks or that won't go to a, a big event, it was almost like laying in wait, ready to expose itself. And for whatever reason, via the media, whatever happened during 2020, I don't know what, who scared them into doing what, but I think that just, it manifested itself through the COVID moment. And, and it's, you and I both love wrestling. Yes. And <laughs> wrestlers always say, you know, their character, the ones that, that turn out to be very successful, it's their real personalities mm -hmm. cranked up to 11. Right. And yep. so it almost seemed like, the COVID moment and the masks issues, all of this stuff, like for someone to say, you're going to turn us into Texas is so disconnected. As a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a bad thing. It's so disconnected from reality that that represents something that I can't even fathom. And so it's almost like the COVID moment turned their crazy up to 11, but it was just kind of laying there waiting to rear its head and this was the excuse. Like you said, 2016, the Trump moment, it certainly did it. And 
it surprised me, to be honest with you. And I've grown mentally a lot over the last, since that moment, you know, as people that talk uh, to thousands of people a week, basically, uh, via messaging, you have to grow. And 2016 to now is insanely different. And then certainly 2020 did its own deal on all of us. But it seems like there's just this, it happened with Trump and we saw, damn, the left, we'll say the left for lack of a better term, this segment of the left are crazy. And then 2020 hit and you're really surrounded by it or when you're in California, you are. I'm a bit fortunate, uh, a small town in Texas here, I don't see it as often. This is why I left Austin because it's they're ate up with this stuff. Does it seem like it was just kind of laying dormant and all of a sudden looking for an excuse and boom, there it is. Like, it's like it unmasked them. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, in some ways it, it, it can't be a coincidence that we're seeing the most Corona hysteria in certain segments of the country. Um, Cause we're all getting the same media, you know, I mean, uh, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you're seeing it largely centered around the, the height, the greatest height of the hysteria and of the response and of that attitude of, Oh, we don't want to turn to Texas. Meanwhile, Texas has like yeah. zero COVID deaths right now. I mean, yeah. or, or as close as close to no COVID as you can possibly get. Yes. Uh, it, it's, it's such a disconnect from reality that this is where I get into this idea of, of how I've evolved over, over these last couple of years here and, and getting back to the idea of meaning, uh, because that is, I, I think that is what this all comes down to is when people are, are lacking meaning, they're very susceptible to having some new thing coming in that becomes their new meaning or their new, the new thing that, that, that really drives them. So, and like, I've, I've basically considered myself an atheist the most, the vast majority of my life. Uh, I mean, I, I remember, I remember the day it happened, actually. <laughs> I, I remember the day I like became an atheist, uh, originally, anyway. I've kind of evolved since then, but. Uh, That's so funny because you hear born again Christians say, say the same thing. I remember when I was saved, and you're right. like, I remember when I wrote it off. And yeah. I, I don't mean that as a diss or anything, but just <laughs> the, both what, sides of that. What happened? Yeah, and uh, I, and on, no no offense to my my mother who I love dearly, but you know I, I was raised Jewish, right? So uh, every year we have uh, the high holy days. One of those is Yom Kippur, and the idea is you fast for a day uh, to sort of cleanse yourself of your sins, absolve yourself of your sins for the year, um, and then you basically get a clean slate and you're good to go. And when I was a kid and they taught me this stuff in, in Hebrew school and in, in, in our Jewish classes or what have you, um, I was like, okay, all right, well, that seems like a, a good deal. We've, I know we've all done some bad things here and there. Uh, so cool. We don't eat for a day and then we cleanse the whole thing. Uh, but they had a thing like even, I think if you were like, you know, eight or nine years old, like it's, been, it's generally accepted, like you don't force like young children to fast. So I, I didn't actually fast when I was, you know, during those days. Like, so, you know, if I was hungry and like, after we went to our, our uh, Yom Kippur service, my parents would like drive me through somewhere and get me food and they wouldn't eat. And so I remember this one time we drove through McDonald's and I got like a happy meal or something. And my dad went into a store or something. And, and, and when, when my dad went to the store, my mom turned around and she like took one of the fries. And I was like, what are you, what are you doing? She's, she's like, oh, it's just one. It's, I just, I just want to have a fry. It's fine. And that's what, and that's the moment I just kind of, something clicked in me. And I went to myself, 
I, I thought to myself, oh, you don't believe this at all. Because mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. if you actually believed this, you wouldn't eat a fry. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't risk like, you know, absolving yourself of, of any sins you may have committed in the last year. I don't mm-hmm. think Jews even use the word sin, but it's the same, same idea, basically. Uh, any of your, your bad deeds or what have you. Um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't give that up for a fry. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So that, that's when I first kind of, it was really that moment where I was just like, no, this is all bullshit. And now I'm kind of in a very different place. I'm not even sure how I, how I got to this story originally right now. Cause I'm in, I'm in full on um, all over the place rant mode, but no, I, I, I like this. I'll, I'll, I can rein you in if need be, but I, I appreciate where <laughs> you're going so many places that I wanted to go anyway. Rain only I, as much as you, you feel you need to. Okay. <laughs> How would you describe the Mark Claire of, let's say January, 2020, January, 2020. Hmm. Because we, I was in a much different back. place than, you know, we're thinking new year, this is going to be great. You know, both of us are probably thinking the podcast things down the line, who I could get on, what we could do. <laughs> sure. No real whispers of any shutdowns. This is going to be just like always. Yeah. And then life changed. And I, I just want to get to before 2020, basically contrast the old you to the new. Sure. Yeah. I, I would say that at that point, I was already a little bit on the path that I've kind of gotten myself down now, but I think real life events uh, have accelerated them in many ways, Um, you know, world events, COVID, et cetera, and have accelerated my perspective on these things. Now I can tie back to why I was talking about atheism Mm -hmm. and and the meaning and everything, Uh, because I think that a reason that we're seeing a lot of this, like... the same hysteria of COVID, we're are, are we're seeing in, in generally the same kind of people that had the same the hysteria over Trump. It, it's there's maybe some people that that, that you know were not were affected by one and not the other, or vice versa. But you can generally say, at least as far as the people I know in my personal life, if they were freaked freaked out over one, they were freaked out over the other. And mm-hmm. when I look at those those people, a lot of them remind me of myself when I was in more of that pure atheist mode in many ways because I didn't have any meaning in my life for many years, really. I didn't have something I looked at. Um, and luckily I, I actually found meaning, I think in, in like the Ron Paul campaign, like that was kind of the thing that, that filled in the gap for me. I think, you know, I was kind of aimless in many ways in life. And then I saw this guy on stage and then suddenly before I know it, uh, you know, one day I'm just tweeting out or not even tweeting. This is even before Twitter. One day I'm just like, I think I was sharing Ron Paul videos on my MySpace page. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, one day I'm just sharing Ron Paul videos around. Uh, next thing I know I'm part of a freaking movement, man. Like it was exciting. And I actually felt like my life had a lot of purpose from that. Um, in fact, my, that's been part of my life's purpose since then. I shouldn't even speak about it in the past sense because I'm still inspired by that, by that original Ron Paul movement in many ways. It is still why I do this podcast, why I do lions of Liberty. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I was already down a path of, um, kind of trying to seek more of the spiritual side of things. This was something that I, I don't know. I, I can't really say what originally inspired me. I just, I've always been sort of a curious person. Like even, even when I was an atheist or when I described myself as an atheist, I wasn't like one of these hardcore, like Richard Dawkins atheists. I Mm. I was more just like, uh, I reject these narratives that have been told to me because I saw my mom eat fries on Yom Kippur. So I knew that was bullshit. (laughs) And I, I, I see a lot of 
people blindly accepting the narratives of their faith. And to me, I, I would always think to myself, well, you know, they're just they're just repeating what they read in this book, or they're just repeating mm-hmm. what their their pe- their pastor said. So they're idiots. You know, they don't think about anything. Uh, so, I, and I'm much smarter than that. So, you know, I'm not going to fall for that stuff. But at the same time, I I have always been very curious in in terms of like. I've always been interested in other religions. I've always been interested in the nature of reality. Um, I've have many different aspects that I've, I've come at that in my life. Uh, I've had just uh, simply, you know, reading about quantum mechanics and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, crazy stuff like string theory and where that leads me to think about what, what our reality actually is or what it even can be. Uh, I've also had experiences, uh, some perhaps of a psychedelic, psychedelically induced nature, but others not others that had nothing to do with anything like that that have really, really shown me that there is more out there than I ever remember more than I gave credit to for a large portion of my life. Um, Like I think at this point I can say firmly that I'm definitely not an atheist. Um, We have to look at, we have to break down those words and see what they mean and see how different people, you know, take, take that. Um, But when we're saying it, when I think of the word atheist now, I think of um, if you believe if you don't believe that it was just a, a ball of mass flaming hot for no reason that just exploded and then particles changed and somehow we evolved and now we talk to each other on, on over computers. And if you don't just think that that's just that's how it happened, then, you know, then you're not an atheist. So I, in that sense, like I'm I'm not an atheist. Um, it doesn't mean I necessarily um believe in any one narrative or any one system, but in in some way I kind of believe in all of them <laughs> to an extent because what, what I've come to see religion as in many ways is our attempts of civilizations over time and humanity to connect to, to I don't know if you want to call it to the, the, the true nature of reality or the true nature of ourselves. I kind of think they're the same thing in many ways, um, but they're attempts for people to connect with the divine. That, that, that's what I would say. And over, over centuries and centuries of, of more than centuries, millennia and millennia of humanity's history, if you look at any civilization, there have been sets of people that have attempted or been connecting with the divine. Um, I, I don't know a better word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's something more than what we see, more than what we can normally feel through normal re- means, more than what we can ever read about in a book, uh, more than what a, a pastor could even tell us or what a, a religion could tell us. And I think that's, that's the part where I always conflated the two. I always connected like the, the spiritual concepts of religion with the structures themselves, with, uh, you know, the, the Catholic church or, uh, you know, with the, the hierarchies in, in various religions. And I've come to see there, those are, there are things they, they have overlap because when, just like I, I talked about at the beginning of the, uh, the show, when I was talking about how, you know, a lot of communities kind of formed organically, people sort of moved to a general area, um, formed a community, all good property rights are, are going great here. And then the state kind of forms around that or, or overlaps over that. I think religion is, is maybe very similar to that in many ways. I think people naturally in many ways found their own ways to connect with the divine connect to, whatever you want to call it, the true nature of reality. Uh, you can use a million different words for this. Um, but, and then 
later on, other structures, other, you know, systems kind of were created over those things. Um, And they kind of all became, at least to me, associated as the same thing. And now I I see them very, very, very separately. Um, I, I think you can be religious as I would say I'm, I don't know if I would describe myself as religious. I would say I'm, I'm, I'm finding my religion maybe, or trying to find my religion. Um, cause I, I don't have like necessarily a religion I subscribe to or, mm-hmm. but, but really what is a religion? It's, it's a, it's called a practice for a reason. It's whatever your practice is. It's whatever you get into. And I've developed, not developed, like I didn't invent any of this shit, but I've, I've, I've brought myself into certain practices. Uh, I shouldn't say myself. I should give my wife a, a lot of credit here. Cause she's been a huge part of, of my development with all this stuff. But, um, you know, it was, it was a path I had already been down a little bit, uh, before I met her, but I think, you know, that just kind of put it all on overdrive because she was also, you know, very into this stuff. Um, but really just getting into things like yoga, uh, meditation, things I had dabbled in before, but yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I, hmm. I, don't know, I don't really want to do this whole yoga session or nah, I can't. Ah, all right. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done trying to think of and, and sit here in my own thoughts. I can't do it. And now I've, I've learned to, I'm no expert. I'm no expert at all. And I don't want to pretend I am, um, because I'm, I'm still very much a work in progress, but what I have found for me is that the more I have incorporated a practice, whatever that practice might be, whether it's getting up at six in the morning and meditating and doing yoga and, um, or what have you, or eating differently or trying to get myself in a, in a certain schedule. And I work in an industry, which is very up and down with hours normally. So that's, that's a huge challenge for me or been a huge challenge for me over the years. But the more I get into a practice and the more I am consistent with it, I mean, the way that I feel like going throughout my day is, is night and freaking day compared to, Mm. you know, two years ago compared to Mark of, of January, 2020. And I think the events of the world around me have pushed me even more into that. Have, have, when I see people grasping for meaning by strapping two masks on their face, um, that's not the meaning that I, that I I'm interested in. So I have to find some other meaning out there because at the end of the day, we all need meaning. We all need it. Whether we want to act like we don't, whether we want to act like we're too cool for it or whatever, doesn't matter because we're all, we're all kind of built the same way. And I think that the, the more disconnected we are from, from our true selves or from a a deeper sense of meaning, the more we're going to be susceptible to really nefarious narratives um, like those that are coming along with the coronavirus stuff. So like, you know, when I see someone literally two or three weeks ago, we were in the airport and I I mean, I I, I don't know whether to laugh or just feel bad for people, but we literally saw a group of like four people um, who were in full on body suits, like full on, this is at LAX full-on body suits, like, like covered in plastic head to toe with the <laughs> shields over their faces, uh, the gloves, like, and, and I mean, we're la- we were laughing cause it was a funny visual. Yeah. At the same time, I'm just thinking like, like how sad, like how sad that you, that's that you think that you need to do this to, to go interact in fly. the outside world. You shouldn't fly. If, if, that, well, if, that, that's exactly what we're saying. We're like, yeah. I, I, we're, we're, my wife and I were saying this exact same thing. We're, we're saying, if, if you think it's this bad, why are you out of your house? Yeah, like, why are you fly. even out of your house? If I thought it was that bad that I had to dress like that to stay safe, I'm yeah. not leaving my house. Yeah. I'm not flying. I'm not getting, I'm not going to the airport. You, yeah. so that's, that's, but that's just part of the disconnect from reality. Again, it has nothing to do with the reality of it. Of course it has nothing to do with the reality of it or they wouldn't, if, or they wouldn't be at the airport, you know, or they'd either be home or they wouldn't be at the airport. No one would be out traveling normally, but wearing this ridiculous, you know, ridiculous getup. 
Um, but I see people like that, and I, I just think like, like, man, they're they're missing something. There's something missing there. Um, and you know, I, look, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a licensed anything. You know, the license matters, and I'm libertarian here. Um, but these are just my perspectives. These are, these are the way I've started to look at things slightly differently. I like that. That's, I think I've thought of the branch COVIDians or the COVID crazies, whatever you want to call them. I think I've thought of them in those terms clearly. Yeah, that's a good point that there's some kind of void that, that I don't know where this emptiness comes from, but if Joy Reid on MSNBC can fill it, or Dr. Fauci, mm-hmm. and then they, it kind of does give give this new meaning of I'm virtuous. Look what I'm doing. I've stayed home. When I go out, I wear a shield over my face, or in their case, a hazmat suit. I'm doing my part. Yeah, and it's much like most of what I, progressive virtue signaling is the flimsiest, thinnest meaning of anything you could fill a void with because it's so paper thin that it's most of the time literally typing something and then saying, I've done my part. I've said (laughs) on Facebook, stay home, wear the damn mask. Hashtag stay the fuck home was the one for a while that a lot of my friend circles were using. Yes, those things. Or after George Floyd was killed, then I put a black square picture up and Mm -hmm. I've done my part when these are people that do not go necessarily volunteer in an inner city community to feed poor people. That actually takes work. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't take any work to to. But it's interesting because within the liberty circles, there are people that I've noticed that are filling voids in a way that does take on more meaning. And there's certain podcasters that I've heard, uh, yourself included, that I, you know, I things for me changed over 2020, and then I hear some some others on the air, as we can call it, and it's like interesting. These people are kind of going through some kind of change as well. And and I think Ven Armani, interestingly enough, has had a large influence on our circles in hearing him talk and this stuff with the dim age and, and yeah. mysticism. For me as well. It's it's interesting. I want to tell you guys about the official coffee of the Counterflow podcast, and that is Lorenzotti Coffee over at Lorenzotti.com coffee. I don't really want to specifically tell you about them because I drink it every morning because I love it because it's directly imported from Italy. It's in these vacuum sealed packs. It's in these beautiful tins that look very good on your kitchen counter. Those aren't really the reasons I want to tell you about them. The real reason is because in this day and age with all of the insanity going on, I think it's nice to be able to have companies that are very like-minded that we can support. And that's very helpful. You know, everyone's scared now, like, should I support this company? I don't know. Are they crazy? Well, I can tell you, the guys at Lorenzotti.coffee are really good guys. They're like-minded individuals, and they want to support shows like mine that you listen to. So I think if they're willing to give me a cut of the money coming into them from you guys, that should uh, make you want to support them. You like this show? You want to support like-minded companies? Here's one for you, Lorenzotti Coffee over at L-O-R-E-N-Z-O-T-T-I dot coffee. I'll tell you one thing. If you type in promo code BUCK, B-U-C-K, at checkout, you will get 10% off of your order. You'll be supporting a very good company. The coffee is amazing, and it helps me out too. So if you like this show, give it some support. Now back to the show. Do you think libertarianism itself 
being a very, very thin ideology as far as it's just a strict philosophy of non-aggression. Do you think one issue that we've encountered maybe is that having it so thin and, and telling everyone, look, I'm not, I'm not left, I'm not right, I'm just a libertarian, I believe in non-aggression, do you think it leaves a bigger gap to fill and sometimes can lead to issues? It leads a huge gap to fill. And that is something that took me a long time to understand. And I think this is probably part of the change you've noticed in my approach to things uh, that you mentioned to me when you wanted to have me back on the well, back on the show. I don't know. I've been on Death to Tyrants before. It is actually that's my right. counterflow debut. That's true. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, th- that's a reason that I think, um, you know, Vin in particular has connected with me a lot and why, uh, I I've had, I've interviewed Vin three times in one year and I, I rarely interview anyone more than once, sometimes a second or third time, but three times in a year, that's pretty unprecedented, but it, it's, be, it is not because I subscribe to Vin's religion. I know he's like, uh, um, I, what does he call himself? So orthodox. Uh, or, I think it's ortho, yeah. Orth, orthodox Christian. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but it has nothing to do with his religion, but it does have to do with what he is addressing. And I I think he's addressing something that is, is sorely lacking in the libertarian movement. And that is the lack of a a narrative, the lack of like a a story, the lack of real meaning Um, because to most people, the non following the non-aggression principle is not inspiring. And, and I think for so many years, like maybe the first six years of the lions of Liberty podcast, almost all of my shows were focused on like the logic of this thing (laughs) or like, you know, and, and I'm not saying I don't want to have shows where I discuss the logic of Liberty. I I probably will down the road, but it's, it's not what I'm, it's not what inspires me anymore. (laughs) It's not what interests me. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the more I've gotten away from that, the, the more our numbers have gone up. I mean, I I don't, so I I think the market is speaking as well because I think (laughs) even within the Liberty movement, people are looking for meaning and, we can't just do, I mean, I, I remember I did a, I had an interview with Jeffrey Tucker uh, earlier in the year and we had an absolute blast just, just talking about everything that had gone on. I hadn't talked to him in a while. I, I think I had last seen him at Porkfest maybe a year and a half prior. And, um, and it's funny because right at the end, he, he, you know, after we got off the air, he said like, man, that was really fun. That was, that was great. I was so glad he didn't uh, do the whole, like, uh, you know, the, you know, how how an anarcho-capitalist society would deal with coronavirus. And I I laughed at myself so much because that is the exact interview I would have done if it it was two years earlier. Like that, that would have been the, I would have had him or Walter Block on and we would have broke down the technicalities of how an anarcho-capitalist society might deal with uh, the uh, virus and uh, might deal with quarantines and vaccines and we'd break it all down and it would inspire like nobody. (laughs) Yes, yeah. And I could tell he was excited that we never went down that path and I was excited we'd never went down that path and i mean it really was just one thing that highlighted to me so much just how my perspective has changed because it's not that it's not that the logic isn't correct or true right right. um yeah it is but so what (laughs) i mean because we because if if we're only focused on that logic of it then we're just gonna stick in our little aggro autist circles here where we only talk to the people that are driven by the the logic rational side of things we're only gonna be talking to the engineers which is like five percent of us and we're gonna keep the movement really 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 small and that's why it's been really 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 small forever (laughs) i mean for as long as especially when we're talking about the libertarian party i mean the libertarian party has been up until you know now, pretty much like the lot, the, the party of follow the non aggression principle because we said so. Yeah, 
so what? So who's inspired by that? Right. And hardly anybody, approximately one to 2% of the voting population. That's who. So then that's who. And so if if that's the approach we're going to continue to take, whether it's through politics, whether it's through our personal lives, whether it's through our podcasts, uh, then we're going to confine ourselves to that same one to 2% of the population. And I don't know. I'm not, whoopsie. I'm, I'm not content with that. I don't know about you, Buck. I'm not content to only affect the one to two percent of the population that I'm not even really affecting because they already kind of see the logic and what I'm talking about anyway. Yes. Uh, I want to reach a hell of a lot more people, and I want to move a hell of a lot more people. Uh, I don't spend all this time. I haven't spent eight years doing this just to just to make the same one to two percent of people nod and agree and go, "Yep, that's yeah. right." Yeah. Um, that that that's not what I'm interested in anymore. Um, maybe when I first started, that's all I cared about. Yeah. Maybe yes. I just you know before I had any any idea that. I could even reach the number of people I reach now. Uh, I was yes. maybe just doing a podcast for the 40 people <laughs> that, yes. that might have tuned in that, that already yes. agreed with it. Uh, <laughs> but now I have I have much b- bigger aspirations, not just in podcasting, in life. Yes, same here. And there's one of the changes I've gone through is I, there was moments where I would, I, when I was newer and I thought, I need to make this kid-friendly. I need to convince the normies that might listen to this Look how logical this this philosophy is, and I know I'm going to win them over. <laughs> and uh, you know, we we live and learn. I, I cringe when I go back and hear old old episodes. Of oh God, yeah, no God, big it's, time. It's... And and it's it's another. See, you and I, we're going to have to do a wrestling podcast because yes. we can learn a lot from Vince McMahon. And I, you just use him because he's he's the giant in the industry. It's a perfect analogy that you brought in earlier. I mean, and and well, another one is no one, no wrestler that does a promo, and for those unaware of the, the their speech on a microphone, they never say. <laughs> I love that we have to teach these yes. basic wrestling terms yes. to people. But yeah, uh, <laughs> speech on they, a microphone equals promo. Yeah, they never say, <laughs> "I'm going to get in the ring and I'm going to." do a leg tie and then uh, I'm going to <laughs> throw you against the ropes and all of the the logic of the match that lies but they they pull on the crowd's emotion and that's mm-hmm. why the rock was so good that's why stone cold steve austin was so good because they're they're pulling at everyone's heartstrings trying to tap into a market that's there that people go oh I feel that way too not uh, which is I also think is why Bret Hart was never as big as he could have been because he was a scientific mm-hmm. wrestler and it was so strict on the actual movements in the ring rather than the bigger persona. So I think libertarianism kind of has that same, uh, we're dealing with the same issue. If, if We've kind of articulated it here, but is there a different weakness within libertarianism other than this that you would point out? Oh man, I want to dive into this analogy a little bit more first. Okay, uh, let's do it. That, that, it it's, it's, so, it's so freaking perfect, actually. Like, I mean, it's, because it, uh, what you said right there, like the reasons that, like the rock became a huge superstar or the reasons that stone cold Steve Austin might be, be even a better example. Um, like they didn't become huge because like you said, they were like the best technical wrestlers and they did all the right moves and they, they laid out the, the step a B C D of how they're going to tactically take down their opponent because that wouldn't have gotten anyone excited. That wouldn't have gotten like tens of thousands, a hundred thousand people in a stadium just roaring with excitement. That would, that would never get people to do that. What excited people was their narrative was the narrative behind their story uh, was what drove them to, to want to win the match. It's not how you're going to win the match. It's why we care if you win the match. Yes. 
And that, so maybe that is what the Libertarian Party is missing or the Liberty Movement is missing. We know the logic. Like, you can spend all day in the in the gym learning to be the best technical professional wrestler that has ever existed. And Bret Hart might be one of those best technical wrestlers that ever existed, but he is not one of the biggest superstars that ever existed. He is for, for people like you and me, like, yeah. but he's not a household name, you know, right. like, yeah, maybe people have heard of him. Like he appeared on the Simpsons. Okay. But is he the rock? Right. <laughs> no. Is he stone cold Steve Austin? No. Is he even Daniel Bryan? Right. No. Right. And Daniel Bryan might be the, the perfect. I'm so glad we're getting deep in the weeds on, on wrestling right now on this podcast, but Daniel Bryan might be the perfect archetype of what libertarians should strive to be because Daniel Bryan is the perfect technical wrestler. He does have all the skills. He does have the logic, so to speak, like, like libertarians have, but he also has the story. He has the best story like of the last yes. maybe decade of any wrestler. You know, he's he's the one that's always overlooked. He's like the us. one that, that, yes. that's told he can never win. He's the yes. Libertarians, yes. even though in real life he's nothing like a Libertarian, but that's, right. that's a different yeah. story altogether. Uh, but, you know, he, he is the one that is, is seen as the joke. And the reason people get excited about him winning is because they see – it's not that they see he's the best tentacle wrestler. That's just icing on the cake. It's that they see that he has been treated like a joke, and this is in real life because mm-hmm. in re- and, and that's and that's why it connects so much because it, it connects to a real life story. The best wrestling stories that connect with people. It's not as cool as it is. It's not, um, you know that. The Undertaker was, uh, you know, Paul, you know, and 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 Kane, and they had a, you know, and uh, they lit his younger brother on fire. Like that's a cool story, but that's not the one that really, really connects with people. That's not the master story. That's not the meta story. The the real story is the story that has a real life basis in it. And Daniel Bryan's story has a real life basis because he really was seen by Vince McMahon, the man who's made millions of dollars off him later, as a joke. Yeah. As, as someone who can never make it. And this is real. You know, he really yeah. said, like, no, that, that guy's never going to make it here. Sure, sure he'll, we'll, we'll bring him on the roster. He's a great technical wrestler. He can, you know, he can go out and have some good matches, but he's never going to be one of my superstars. Are you kidding me? I mean, these are like real, not these aren't quotes, but these are real things that, you know, Vince McMahon has been known to have thought about Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And that is why when he finally did get pushed to the top and, uh, you know, and it's why the crowd connected with him so much. Similarly, in some ways of, of how the crowd connected with Stone Cold Steve Austin, it was somewhat yes. of a similar storyline. It yeah. was the idea of, of the downtrodden every man finally making it, finally breaking through. And that's what libertarians need to be. You know, maybe yes. we need to be. We already are in many ways. We need to be the downtrodden every man. We need people to want to root for us. Like we, we, we can't be the assholes that just tell you how we're going to win the match and the 17 different moves we're going to show you in the ring. Like that, that's not going to inspire anybody. We can't just be the people that tell you we have the logic on our sides. We need people to root for us. We need everybody to look at us and say, oh no, like those are the guys out there laying it on the line. Like yeah. those are the people out there, even if you might not connect with us personally, like, I don't know, in real life, I probably might not even like, like Daniel Bryan that much, but I connect with his story. <laughs> yeah. well, I sure do connect with his story. So it doesn't need to be about our individual personalities connecting with people, but people need to be able to connect with our story. They need to be able to connect with, with what we're fighting for and why we're fighting for it and understand that and feel it, not just see the logic of it, actually feel it. I mean, that's why some of the most successful movements were when, when people in the population, it wasn't that they, they already agreed with it. It's that they could see, they could see 
why people were downtrodden and why people were fighting when Martin Luther King is leading marches on the streets of, of purely peaceful people that are being beaten down and hosed down. Um, people feel that then how can you not root for those people? So that's why those movements are successful. How can you not root for Mahatma Gandhi when you see him, when you see his movement doing nothing like that yeah. was their protest. We're going to yep. sit here in the street and do nothing while you come and beat us. And we're not going to fucking move. Yeah. Because that's how much we believe in what we're doing here. Who could root against them? I mean, who could root against them, really, from the, from the outside perspective? Of course, the British are rooting against them. But the everyman, the people that aren't normally paying attention, that's who we need to connect to. That's yes. who needs to see us. I'm not saying we need to go lay down in the street and, and get beaten down, but maybe we do. I mean, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe so, we need something I, I can like name that. a few. No, I'm joking. Um, I think Trump tapped into a very similar sentiment because he this man we all know he didn't go through this he's he's been rich for decades but he's speaking to basically working class people saying they forgot about you the establishment doesn't love you they think you're deplorables as they've said you know from their own mouths and as he runs for re-election something i didn't even see at ron paul rallies which i was at many of them were massive crowds chanting we love you it's that was like something I've never seen before. And I thought, whatever Trump has tapped into, this populism, the libertarians could certainly uh, take a page out of that book because there wasn't a lot of I love you's at Joe Jorgensen rallies. So, <laughs> And why do they love Donald Trump? It's not because he's a billionaire. Like, there's a lot right. of billionaires. No one likes billionaires. Like, no one likes billionaires like, at all. So the fact that people were out there saying we love you I mean, that is that means that he really connected with them and it put his politics, his policies, whatever aside. Yeah. If you're denying that, you're in denial, I guess, yeah. by definition. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, that that is exactly right. And we need to find the way. And I'm not saying I have the answer, but I at least I think I see what the problem is, is yes. that who loves us? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know? Who yes. loves libertarians? No one's going to love the, the guys that are out there just telling you you're wrong all the time. No one's going to love the guys that are out there uh, just telling you why we're technically correct or, you know, why, you know, this, this, this tax, you know, if we lower the taxes by 2%, yes. there'll be greater GDP or something like, no, right. it doesn't inspire anybody. And no one's really inspired by, you know, a 45 minute podcast about how an anarcho-capitalist society might deal with vaccines and a podcast yes. that I probably would have produced five years ago. So, yes. um, so that's how I've changed <laughs> since, since January, 2020, or maybe earlier. Did you lose friends? Uh, let me let me preface it with this. 2020, I've said now, I moved out of Austin and it was a time that was unmasked a lot of people and kind of made me reassess and it gave me more clarity on who I actually want to hang out with, who are real friends, who would actually care about my thoughts, my opinions, who didn't anymore. It kind of drew a line in the sand, it seemed like. Did you feel that? And did you lose friends over 2020? No, I haven't lost friends, I don't think. But I think I've also come to such maybe just living in Los Angeles for so long. I've just yeah. come to accept that a lot of my good friends actually just see the world in a very different way. And I... Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the person that's ever drawing that line if I can help it. Now, if someone else draws the line, that's on them. Yes. I'm not going to change who I am. I'm not going to change right. my beliefs because of someone else's line. But no, I mean, I, I've been I've been open enough about my beliefs for a long time. Every 
and I'm talking about close friends here. I mean, you know, at my a circle of maybe, I don't know, maybe I have a, a close circle of eight to 10, like pretty really good friends in Los Angeles and nothing's been affected with any of them. Now, same, same. I, my, and I mean like maybe acquaintances in the, when you go up to like the 50 group range. Okay. Uh, I will say I, I, I probably just hang out with, I probably am more focused about who I spend time with now. Yes. Like, for sure. Like right. I no longer care about, yeah. Like I, I it, it's not that I dislike anybody less. It's just that, you know, I, I value my time more and I, yes. I want to spend time with people that value me in right. the way that I value them. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say like, yeah, I don't, okay. Yeah. Like there's, there's definitely like, okay. A lot of parties that I would have gone to before that I right. don't go to now. And it's yeah. not because I dislike the people at the party. It's that I don't care about it as much. Yes. You know, yeah. like I, and maybe this is part of getting old. Like I, I'd rather spend quality time with my wife than go to a party yeah. with 50 strangers that, you know, I know three of them, you yeah. know, that that's not interesting to me. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I guess if you expand the circle out, out to more, it, it's not that there's been like dividing lines over like coronavirus to me or any stuff like that. I'm sure there's people that see things I tweet or th- see things yes. I say right. that in their minds, they're like, fuck this guy. Like, yes. That's fine. Yeah. Been the balls to say it to me though, so whatever. Yeah. Um, and and I don't care. I mean, I, I don't care what people think of me ultimately. And I think I've spent a lot of my life caring way too much about what people think of me. Mm-hmm. And but what I found actually is that the less you care about that, and therefore the more that you be yourself, and the more you act like yourself, the more that your your close friends naturally reveal themselves you know they, they naturally un- unmask themselves like like you say um and then I, I still have really close friends that have completely different politics from me i have close friends that i think went a little corona crazy i can still consider them my close friends um but um yeah i, I think it has changed my priorities in, in many ways of just and i don't know how much of that is related to world events how much of that is just you know how my own life has been developing but i i I, I look at my time. I think that, that's a big thing too. Like I look mm-hmm. at my, how I use my time much differently. Um, I, I don't want to waste my time. You know, like I, I, I know we have limited time in this current meat vessel that we are in. Uh, whatever happens beyond that is, uh, you know, I, we can have thoughts and ideas about it. I don't think anybody really, really, really knows. I have theories. I have mm-hmm. things I think might happen. It could be nothing at all, though. I don't think so. It could be nothing at all, though. <laughs> but so, but I do know that in this particular form, I have a, a limited amount of time. I want to think that amount of time could be another. I'm, I'm 41 years old right now. I like to think that could be, am I 41 yet? What month is it? No, I'm, I'm still 40. Whatever. <laughs> I'll be 41 later this year. I like to think I got another 40, 50, 60 years in this body. Um, but the truth is, I could walk out of here after this interview and get kicked in the face by a horse. And I, yeah. I say that because I'm in a town where people actually ride horses around yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Mexico. Uh, if, I was in, if I was in LA, I might have just said uh, hit by a car. Uh, yeah. We never know when our time's coming. So that would up me. the value of this episode <laughs> yes, times a million. Marks. I mean, I don't even want to joke about that. I feel bad even right saying Right before you got kicked in the face by yes. a horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the best way to be killed by a horse. You have I've, my permission. If worse. this does happen, I, I want you to air it. I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to edit it out. I want it all out there. I want you to capitalize on it if it actually occurs. Now, I'm sure I'm going to be fine today. But yes. you get the point. Yes. The point yes. is we really never know when the time in this current vessel that we're in is up. So we should make them. Bo- and I am preaching to myself as much as I am to everybody else here yeah, because for sure. there are days when 
in this past couple of weeks, there's been days and I said, why did I spend my, why did I spend my day stressing about this thing? Or mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I didn't, I, I was getting away from the big picture here. And I, I, but I try to be more conscious of that now. And I, I try to look at what's important in life and, you know, and yeah, yeah. And, and not, not focus so much on, and again, I, I feel like I'm just like having a therapy session with myself here because yeah. I'm, I'm the person I'm preaching to is me more than anyone else. Like I more than anyone else get stressed over little things and, and, you know, have, have days where I just, I don't want to deal with anything because I feel overwhelmed. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to waste time like that. And I want to encourage other people to try to think about life differently too, and try not to try not to get wrapped up in the little things. And, uh, you know, I'm, Again, I'm speaking to myself as much as I am to everybody else. Yeah, no, no, this is this is good, and we'll. Uh, I've got to respect your time, and to bring it back to. Or I'm good. Make, I'm good for whatever. So. Oh well, shit. Then maybe I can ask you for more. <laughs> you don't need to. Respect so I like it. Okay. <laughs> um, shit. I wish I had another beer. I still, I still got half this forty here. So see, you know. <laughs> I only did a sixteen ounce. I believe is what that one was. Um, By the way, this was about. I believe this was like thirty pesos for a, a, a large Victoria, which is about a dollar fifty. So wow, some perspective. That's why you're down there. Where might you be, let's say, in one year from now, living wise? If you work for the NFL Network, please quit listening now. (laughs) Yeah, if you work at NFL Network, please quit listening. That's one possibility. I will say that is one possibility because I actually really do like my job. Like as yeah. like as, as much as I've explored a lot of ideas of doing other things in life, none of it has been because I don't like what I do. Okay, in for a living, like I really actually really like what I do. Yeah. Um, everything has been circumstantial uh, in terms of the place I live yes, and the things I want to do in my life. Like, yeah, I want to have uh, a house that I can call a house that, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't put me in a tremendous amount of debt mm-hmm. to live. In. And everyone I know that has a house in LA as one or a combination of circumstances, one, their parents gave them a shitload of money. So that helped. Uh, I'm not, I don't have that kind of situation and I wouldn't want that situation either. Yeah. Um, or they have a tremendous amount of debt, like mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of debt. And I don't want to be in that situation either. So yeah, I could have a house. I could have already had a house in LA by putting 3.5% down and, and, and got yeah. in a federal loan. And then I could have to spend the next 30 years <laughs> making sure I pay that every month and stressing about it. And then being trapped if the, and trapped in LA, if the, if the, if the market crashes, I don't want to be in that situation. Um, so for what I want to do for me and my family, like it, it does seem like it's going to be hard to stay there long-term, just even just looking at a, at a financial, yeah. pure, pure financial aspect. Um, uh, but you know, beyond that, they're like seeing, seeing the cultural change, like in LA, like it, it was one, I mean, people always give me shit about commie California, this and that, yeah. and whatever that stuff to me, it's like, okay, well, California has slightly higher taxes than your taxes. It's the same thing. We're just talking about degrees here at this point, Yeah. but now it actually does feel a lot different. Like, like really, really, really different because like, and I, I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't realize how different. I already understood that it was different in Los Angeles than a lot of other places with the coronavirus stuff specifically. And with the lockdowns, like, I don't want to live in a place that's ever going to lock down again. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to live like that. I mean, I lost my job for three months, not cause my, not cause my company were assholes. It's because they got put into a difficult situation by the local lockdown rules. Yeah. Um, they weren't allowed to have most people in their buildings anymore. For, for a time, they were allowed to have nobody there. I mean, that yeah. was, that's how it originally started. And then even when they came back, there were such severe restrictions. They couldn't bring, you know, they couldn't bring everybody back. Um, 
so that's that's not their fault. That's that's the fault of the circumstances of, of where they are and where you know you know and the actual um, you know the actual place itself and the politics of the place itself and the culture yeah. of the place itself. And that that's the part that is getting more difficult for me to to see being in long term. Um, you know, I have, I have no specific plans, but yeah, of course, I'm exploring all sorts of options. Um, but one thing that even hit me like that really surprised me. Like we, we took a trip to, to, uh, Florida, mm-hmm. uh, last month, we got to go to WrestleMania. We got oh, to see right. the, the aforementioned right. Daniel Bryan in action. Yeah. And man, talk about a crowd being moved though. I mean, just, just going back to it. Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much of the show we want to spend on wrestling, but I'm going to go back to it uh, because it was, it was such a perfect combination, uh, a perfect storm for an amazing event because not only was there actually a pretty good storyline going into the main event, you had Roman Reigns who has just been this just tremendous, like head of the table character where he's just running the show. Um, just, just doing unbelievable work. He's being the, the bad guy that so many people wanted him to be for eight years. He's doing it perfectly now. And at the same time, you, you have like Daniel Bryan, who I talked about, who the crowd always loves, who is always the perennial underdog. And then you have this third aspect of edge who's there, who is, has another great story because he, he was a, a complete superstar when he had a neck injury that took him out. But nine years later, he was able to recover and, and get to the point where he was cleared to return. So he had a great story as well. So combine that great story with this crowd that has been deprived of live wrestling for a yeah. fucking year. And yes. for wrestling fans, like that is like, that's the worst thing you can do is to remove that experience from us. Cause you're watching wrestling on TV. Honestly, I don't even like it that much half the time. It's actually a kind of boring and, and you, you focus on a lot of how bad the writing can be at times, yeah. but live wrestling, like that's where it's at. You know, that, yeah. that's what it's about. Now, that's when you feel it. That's when you feel the emotion. And that's something that you know a lot of non-wrestling fans might scoff at and laugh at while they then, you know, go watch some, some action movie and get totally immersed in it. And, you know, they don't think there's any difference there. Um, but like the the feeling of the energy there again, like that's, that's the freaking energy. I want to feel at like a libertarian event at a libertarian rally. I want to feel the energy that cares so much about what happens. And like that cares so much about whether this guy that's been out for nine years can, can overcome this and, and, and win a championship again, or that, that, that cares that Daniel Bryan has one more shot. Like he's, he's, he's probably going to retire soon. He's got this last shot. This might be his last time ever. Like people cared so much. It was just so amazing. It was, it was incredible. And we got to capture that same thing. Um, I don't know how I got from, I got, got from here to there. No, I was talking no, about my trip yeah. to Florida. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what I do. This is what I do when you unleash me, Buck. I want to tell you about your one-stop shop for all things CBD. And they've got a brand new website for you to check out. Paloma Verde CBD. Com. And it's the Paloma Verde store, of course, owned by a great couple, Carlos and Vanessa, out of San Antonio, Texas. Carlos is a very bright young man. I can tell you why. Once you go to the new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com, you'll realize that he's smart enough to feature the better looking of the two on the brand new website. And you'll see what I mean once you go there. They've got everything you need as far as the world of CBD goes. You can explore their products on the new website page. You can see there, obviously they've got the tinctures, but they've got mint tinctures, they've got soft gels, they've got CBD gummies, 
multiple flavors of those, the Sav Stick, the Sleep Bundle, which I'm going to have to check out. I've not had the Sleep Bundle yet, but that sounds enticing to me. The Menthol Sports Cream, I can tell you, works amazingly. I've used that multiple times. And one of the biggest fans I personally know of Paloma Verde CBD products is my French bulldog named Lux. He's about 10 years old now, which in dog years makes him like 70 or something, right? He's old and he gets around like a little old man with his back legs a little bit slower than they used to be until we started putting the CBD pet products that they have at Paloma Verde CBD. We put it on his food every morning. They also have these dog treats that we give him. And it's amazing the job that the products have done for Lux, my French bulldog. Now he's trotting around like he's young again. He gets in and out of the doggy door with ease, which is a relief to me. I can tell you that. So, of course, I've got a promo code for you. It is BUCK, B-U-C-K. When you enter BUCK, the promo code at checkout, you get 25% off of all of your orders over $75, which is a bargain. That's over at PalomaVerdeCBD.com, their new website, promo code B-U-C-K, gets you 25% off all orders over $75. Let's get back to the show. There's so many other ties I can make, and, and to, we're, we're part of the libertarian world and the wrestling fan world, so I can make fun of both of them. Yes. If we can get that many socially awkward people worked up as <laughs> yes. WWE can, we're, it's a very, there's a crossover, let's face it. Yep, absolutely. And speaking mm-hmm. of people that could possibly do that, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about what I think is going to be probably the the biggest debated topic in our circles over the next year or two, or maybe four, three, excuse me, uh, is is the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus, mm-hmm. which for those, I don't want to get too inside baseball, but for those listening that aren't aware of this, there's a wing of the Libertarian Party that Mark and I probably tie in closer with ideology. It's a more, they're trying to make the Libertarian Party libertarian again, as a lot of them say. And if that's the route to go for the future of liberty and, and use the Libertarian Party as a vehicle and then possibly have Dave Smith, podcaster extraordinaire, lead that movement, or there's other routes, as we know, my friend Tho Bishop is interested in other ways of, of, of advancing liberty ideas in the political realm. What are your thoughts on all of that? And I think the day this episode drops, you might be dropping an episode that's has to do with exactly this. <laughs> Not only has to do with is the exact same thing. Cause I'm, I, yeah, I'm hosting a debate. Um, well, as we record, I'm, I'm going to be recording it tomorrow, but yeah, I believe we'll be releasing these on the, on the same day. I'm hosting a, I, I say, I say debate because it, it, it's yeah. fun to say debate, but sure. the way I approach these the same way you approach this when you had like your show last week with uh, Clint and, and Tho, I mean, I, I appreciate approach them as a conversation that yeah. I'm just kind of there to be a part of and kind of push along in certain ways. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be having Dave Smith and Tho Bishop uh, on Lions Liberty this week, or it already happened now when, the, when this is being released for you. So go, go, if you're listening to this, Go click over to Lions Liberty and listen to the debate between Dave Smith and, and Tho Bishop. But um, I, I'd say they represent two of the possible, probably the most likely political strategies for mm-hmm. libertarians um, in the next few years. I mean, there, there's other people out there like like uh, Vin Armani that we talked about before that would yes. have a totally different strategy that would be more about rejecting all of that. 
or like someone like Sal Mayweather might have a totally different, you know, purely agorist type strategy that is still a strategy in and of itself. And these are all debates I want to try to put together over the coming, you know, months, years as well. Cause I think this idea, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier, like I want to spend my time wisely and I want to spend my time well. So I think it's important to explore this idea of what is the best way to spend our time if we're people that really want to inspire people and we really want to see greater liberty in the world, which is exactly what I want to see. And I, it's exactly what I want to do. And I, I, and I don't know the exact answer either. So like I'm, I am, I am really actually doing a lot of these podcasts and a lot of these debates in a somewhat of a selfish way. Sure. I, I know a lot of people will listen when I do stuff like this and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that motivates me too, but a lot of it's for me. Like I, I want to know too. Like I, I don't, cause I don't know. I don't know the exact answer. Um, because I, I, I definitely, definitely appreciate the spirit of what the Mises caucus is doing, yes. what the, what the people in there are doing. I know there's a lot of like accusations that come out about being racist or entryism or <laughs> yeah. stuff like that, that we, the topics that we aired out in a lot of my initial debates with Dave Smith, when he was right. just kind of debating some of his haters online, frankly, I find those arguments Dare I say retarded? Can I yeah. say that? Am I yes. allowed to say that? I'm going to yeah, say yeah. it because it's retarded. It's absolutely yeah. retarded. It, it shows that that the people making those arguments have not taken any time out to actually get to know the people they're accusing these things of. Yes. I've gotten to forget if I if I've known them personally. Like I've met Tom Woods. I've met Dave Smith. I I wouldn't say we're like good friends, but I've met them personally and I, I feel the vibe that they're good people. But besides that, if you just listened to their podcast for like, I don't know, two or three episodes, it would become pretty obvious that yeah. they're not racists or anything that they're ever accused of being. Uh, yeah. I think the worst thing that they, that people do is they take like a joke Dave Smith might make cause he's a comedian and a very subversive comedian. He has a show called Legion of Skanks. So he says a lot of shit that if you take it out of context, sure. It might, it could be seen as racist or sexist if you take it out of context, <laughs> yeah. which is what everybody does. Right. Um, so I find I, at this point, I just have no time for those people. None. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm not even gonna, I, I don't even want to host a debate anymore with, with yeah. Dave and, and we, we, Dave and I have talked about this too. Like we're both done with this. Like, yeah. like, and it got great ratings. Like uh, honestly, two of my biggest down, two of my three highest downloaded episodes of all time are Dave Smith debating someone making stupid arguments against him. <laughs> so for, so for me, it's probably dumb to reject this. Like, yeah. and it's sad because I mean, he's, he's done conversations on lines delivery with Eric Brakey that, that did yeah. very well as well about the, more of the strategy aspects. They didn't do as well as the one where he just debates his trolls. Um, mm. So it probably, it's probably better for my interest for Lions Liberty interest to, to you know, every month have some idiot hater of Dave come on and, and, and spew their bullshit. But I don't have time for this anymore. Like, again, it's about how I spend my time. And uh, that's a waste of time because I mean, I don't know what's wrong with some of these people if they've had like a mental breakdown or or where this this like crusade against people like Dave and Tom have come from. I have no problem like criticizing certain positions of theirs. Like I, I don't really agree with uh, there's some positions of Dave's that I don't really agree with. I don't really agree with his take on immigration, um, but I don't need to agree with someone's take on everything you know, right, to right. to think they're a good person or to think right. they're they're worthy of, of, you know, of promoting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, that's a long way of saying, I, I really do respect the spirit and the work of people in the Mises caucus, um, that, that they're doing. And yeah, there might be some people in those in within that, just like there are within any group that might, you know, post offensive things or post a meme that someone takes the wrong way. And again, I don't have any time for that bullshit. 
yeah. and I'm not talking about the bullshit of the meme, of caring about the memes, of caring yes. about the yeah. offensive comments, because like if if we're if you really understand where we are in the world, if you understand where we are in the fucking timeline of yeah. the things that they're trying to do in our society right now, yeah. uh, of what they're trying to do with vaccine passports and what the implication of that really is, if you yes. give a shit about someone's comments about you know trans people or memes right. that are clearly jokes anyway, if you even give a sh- if you even give a shit, I don't have any time for you. You're, yeah. you're useless. You're, you're beyond useless. You're actually worse than useless. You're actually hurting the, the entire cause by yes. wasting our fucking time with this shit. So to those people, I'm done with you. Shut up. Like, go away. <laughs> like, yes. I, honestly, I don't care if you're if you're on our Lions Liberty Patreon. I don't care if you send me five bucks a month. Take your fucking five bucks back. I'm sick of you. You are useless. <laughs> I'm not talking to any one person, but I'm talking to a couple specific people. Um, they're worthless, and they're, they're, they're wasting my time. So I, I really do. I, I really, well, I guess I was holding that rant in, huh? I yeah. really do respect what the, the spirit of the Mises caucus is doing. I, I really do. They're trying to recapture the Ron Paul revolution. Uh, I think it's an awesome idea. Yeah. Is it the best strategically thing to do that? I'm not sure of. Um, I, I, I get Dave's argument is that we were in a different time now. Like this is not 2008 where the yeah. only way to get a platform was to be on that Republican stage. And um, he contends correctly because he's doing it that he he can get on bigger platforms and he does he gets on joe rogan he gets on fox news i have no doubt if he's the libertarian presidential nominee he's going to get even more attention so i I think he is correct in that sense um does that matter (laughs) that that, i guess that's the question like i I agree with the premise does does it matter if if he does that is that is that what we should be doing is that what's going to be most effective yeah that i don't know um and then someone like that would argue that you know if if we're actually trying to change things then yeah you have to get into power and and you have to do things that are going to lead to more freedom and power and maybe all those things aren't fully in line with the non-aggression principle in the purest way. Like that was a big fan of of Ron DeSantis and everything he's doing. And I'm kind of torn on the whole thing. Cause there's like, there's parts of me that's like, that sees Ron DeSantis, like ban, uh, you know, ban the use of vaccine passports in Mm -hmm. in Florida. And there's the, the gut part of me that there, there's, there's a conflict here. You know, there's the, there's the pure libertarian of, of old of me. And not that I'm not still a pure libertarian. I I think I am philosophically as pure, you know, in my own pure way. I know everyone's got their own definition because everyone's only pure to themselves anyway. Um, So yeah, there's that part of me that says like, well, no, technically speaking, you should not interfere with the private businesses attempts to do anything because it's their property rights and this and that. And then there's the other part of me that's like, fuck yeah, ban those fucking things. Yes, <laughs> me too. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and part of that's an emotional thing for me. But, you know, these are emotional plays. Like, we need to work on people's emotion. And who's going to inspire more people? It might be Ron DeSantis giving a fucking finger to the establishment by actual yeah. things he's doing. And that might inspire people. Dave Smith might inspire people by getting on Joe Rogan and, and spitting the hot libertarian fire. I, like, I, I don't know the answer. I, I, this is why I, this is like literally why I wanted to host this debate specifically between those mm-hmm. two. So I'm excited to, this is a little preview. I'm excited to, to host that debate. So if you're listening to this, as soon as you're done, go, go over to Lions Liberty and listen to Dave, Dave and throw debate that very topic. But um, I mean, there, but like there's even people like beyond that, that would say like Vin, like Vin would say and has said like, all of that's a waste of time. Like you shouldn't yes. be doing any of that shit. Yeah. You should just be breaking away from the system and, and moving to Saipan or moving to wherever you think is a, a safe haven for you and your family and, and doing that too. And, yeah. and as far as myself going back to my own plans, like I guess I'm in the same state where I'm exploring all my options too. Like I'm yeah. exploring all my political options, like through this podcast, through the conversations we have. And I'm also exploring all my life options as well. So um, just getting back to before I went on the whole rant about WrestleMania, 
it wasn't even Florida where I where I opened my eyes more to, to how how different things can be in different places. Because before we went to Florida, we went to like New York for like two days. New York sucks now, by the way. Like that city yeah. is dead. Even now, yeah. it's 10 p.m. The city is dead. It's so sad. Like like yeah. New York must must used to be my favorite city to just go spend a night or two in and just take off. Like go party, yeah. go stay out to 4 a.m. Uh, meet all like just meet so many different kind, kinds of people, interact with so many different cultures. Oh man, that city sucks now. It's dead. I mean, yeah, the cultural things are still there, but it's dead. It's just dead, and it's so sad to see. So, um, so yeah, not moving to New York. <laughs> um, but uh, it was when we went to Connecticut to visit my parents, and we just went to go meet a good friend of mine that I've known for like twenty years. And uh, he's like, "Hey, you want to meet out? We can go to this bar." And it was like Easter Sunday, so he's like, "You know, there's only there's this one bar I found open." I'm like, "Okay." And in California, like they had only just like a week or two before allowed started to allow some indoor dining bars still no bars you can't be a bar you can be a restaurant that has to serve food that's the only way you could be open um so you know i was used to i I thought it was going to be like in la where you walk in you have to you have to go to the host first with your mask on and the host will walk you over to your table then you can take the mask off and then we can pretend the coronavirus doesn't doesn't isn't affected as long as you're sitting and eating and then you put it back on when you go to the bathroom and you do this whole charade and everyone knows it's bullshit but we do it anyway because i don't know um, but and so I was expecting a similar situation when I went to this bar in Connecticut. Instead, we walk in. I like had my mask on when I walked in because I thought I had to, you know. I walk in and there's it's just like it. It was like I time traveled into into yeah. ni- into ni- 2019. It was yeah. just a bar. Now the, the only one thing there was plexiglass uh, at the bar, and there was like the bartender had a mask. But yeah. on the other side, it the, it was 2019. No masks. Not only no masks because that's one thing. That's like an aesthetic thing to me. But the way people were interacting with each other was just like friendly. Was, they were being freaking humans. It was amazing. Yes. Like, yeah. like I have friends in in Los Angeles who will still not shake my hand because they're that they're afraid they'll do the stupid elbow thing or the you yeah. know like the yeah. the fake hug where you don't touch. And I'm like, I'm over that, man. Either hug me or get the fuck out. Like, don't yeah, even yeah. pretend. Like, I'm over this. Like, so, and I mean, in Connecticut, like, I was hugging random people. Like, we were meeting people. Were, we were actually funny. We were talking about going to WrestleMania, and some guy was like, "It's like you say you're going to WrestleMania." We're like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh shit, man!" And so we're talking to that guy. His friends are coming over. They, like, we're and we're hugging. We're taking photos. Like, we're having a blast. And I'm like, "Oh my god, I, this is what it, I remember now. This is what it used to be like to be a human being. This is amazing." And this is in Connecticut. This is in liberal Connecticut. Like yeah, this is yeah. just this is only in a place where I, this isn't a place I didn't expect it at all. Like I was kind of expecting more of that in Florida, uh, but to see that in Connecticut, that was really like, like woke me up to saying, okay, maybe it's not it's not just every liberal state that's going to be like this. It's mm. maybe more specific than that. Like, mm-hmm. but but you go back to LA and it's just it just feels you know even as they open up a little bit. And I, I hope this changes. I hope a lot of people break themselves out of this this spell they're under, thinking they can't shake your freaking hand or give give a hug to a friend. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to. I don't want to be in a place like that. I, I, I'm again, life's too short, man. I want to live. I want to be a human. I want to live and act like a freaking human, interacting with other humans. And that is a play. And LA is a place where that is just for the vast majority of people. That is not how they are acting at all. So I, I've noticed, and I, I still go back into Austin fairly regular basis. I, I'd never quit the gym that I, that I go to because I'm spoiled. It's lifetime and they have saunas. Mm-hmm. So I, cause it's your practice too. Yes. You know? Yes. And, and I just love going there and they've been mask free for a while now and it's, it's wonderful. So the, it started to get to where every place I go now, the mask things out the window. Like I, I haven't, 
it just doesn't happen anymore. And I noticed today I stopped to get fuel there nearby and there's a sign on the door. And I already tell myself, if, if you tell me to put a mask on when I walk in the door at a gas station, I'm just going to go, I'm not going to give you business and I'll go find one that, that doesn't require that. But there was a sign that said, if you've been vaccinated, you don't need a mask. And I thought, well, this will be fun to, yeah. uh, again, it's theater, but now I get to pretend that I've been vaccinated because I'm not wearing a mask. Right. And so I thought, how interesting, because those of us, and I'm speaking for myself and some of the, my close friends for sure, that aren't going to be vaccinated are already anti-mask. So what an interesting situation to put people in. It's like, well, did you, I wasn't going to wear a mask before you had that sign up there. Right. I'm still not going to, and I'm not going to get vaccinated. So interesting. I just thought, what a, what a strange way to go. I'm, I'm thankful that it's not going to be an ID pass card, passport, ID card, anything like that. Yeah, I'm starting to think that, I don't know, I, I'm trying to white pill myself as much yes. as possible, but Lion, uh, uh, Scott Horton was just on with John uh, yes. Matt on Finding Freedom, and, yeah. and he, one thing they talked about was, like, he just doesn't think it can happen, like, yeah. like not in the way they, they're they wanting to push it. Now, it might be a, a, a frog, you know, in the boiling water situation that, you know, yeah. maybe, yeah, now it just can't happen, but they slowly creep in more and more requirements here and there, and then maybe 10 years ago from now, we look back and say, oh, well, they they finally did do it. They just they just creeped it up on us. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be as easy as, uh, as, I, as at one time I feared. I don't um, either, and I think it would take more public support, like lockdowns, you know, like one of my red pill moments was, looking around going, well, these public would just go for this. They didn't really even have to enforce it that much. There's people mm -hmm. that will call on businesses. Oh my God, he's open. Right. And I haven't seen near that support for vaccine passports. There's people that I've kind of hidden on social media that, that, are, that I know personally that are nuts, but I'll go and read their page. Like, I wonder if he said anything. No, not yet. So I've not seen outside of really our circles being worried that it's going to happen. I've not seen much on it at all. And again, you mentioned Scott Horton. He's, you know, he kind of brings the white pill to the topic in general saying like, oh, there's just no way they're going to do this. They can't do this financially. They're discriminating against poor people, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So he makes me feel better about it. And just looking around, I've not seen any of my crazy friends that were strictly all for lockdowns and very vocal and wear the damn mask and take the damn shot and all of this stuff. No one said, get a damn vaccine passport. I've not seen it at all. So mm -hmm. that, that makes me feel better. I have heard a tale or two of, this is actually a tale that, that Brian, I don't know if he said this on his main podcast. He also does another, another uh, podcast on our Patreon. So I yeah. get them all confused, but uh, Brian was talking about, and I'm, I'm sure I know who these friends are. He didn't name them on the podcast and I didn't ask him about it, but he said he was at a, a, a friend's house of ours. Oh, I know, I know who the friend is, but uh, he said that there was like six or eight of them there and they they were all asking him like, all right, did you get the vaccine? Are you getting vaccinated? And yeah. Then he was like, no, no, I'm not. And then like, they didn't want to relent. They're like, well, why not? And, and, and like, so there's like that kind of pressure yes. in some ways that I've I I've seen think some we'll see. of that, but yeah, not straight up. I hope you have to show that you were to do activities. I haven't seen right. that as much. Because yeah. because I think even those friends of ours were half kind of just giving him shit too. Like, and like, I don't think any of those people would advocate that he not be allowed to go to the store. Or, yeah, you know, correct. Like, or anything right. like that. Right, right. Uh, I don't know any real people that, like I said, even people that were in support of lockdowns and in support of mask yeah. mandates and all this stuff, even that, even those people that I know are like, they respect my choice to not take it or, or to, you know? So mm -hmm. that's really 
white pilling to an extent, I guess you might say, yes. hopefully. Yeah. Um, and, and and then there's tales now, I believe Bill Maher being one of them, of people that get COVID after they've had the vaccine, which totally declaws anything that's going to force everyone to do it because it's clearly not keeping someone from getting COVID. So that didn't even make any sense. Not that all of these laws made sense to begin with. But I, uh, I, I know someone who got the vaccine and died three weeks later from COVID. So Wow. Again, it's an anecdote. But um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, and I mean, that that's one thing that scares me. And like, I'm not gonna pretend I'm a doctor or anything. But I've I have looked at a lot of the people that have been talking about the studies that they've done on animals for mRNA vaccines, right? And almost universally, there's no problem when they take the vaccine. It's all good. Sometimes there's side effects. Usually they're okay. It's only when they later encounter live virus, like in the wild, that those animals die. Yes. And there was a so, guy on Pete's show recently. And Del I, Big Tree, yeah. Yes. Yeah, what an yeah. episode that was. Man, that, I'm trying to get him on my show as well. Uh, that dude is based. Yes, he is. <laughs> Absolutely that, no based. doubt about it. All right, Mark, plug anything you want to before we get you out of here. You got all kinds of things going on. I want to plug uh, Buck Johnson and Mark Claire's future pro wrestling podcast. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> That's what I want to plug. That will so happen. I, think, I, I feel like now we could tie this into absolute anything, but... I mean, based on what we talked about today, I, this is a topic where I think we need to explore a little more, like especially how the liberty movement can learn from Vince McMahon, or maybe that's yes. the title of this episode. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let that be up to you. But but yeah, I'm, I'm out there doing doing things. Like, of course I do Lions of Liberty. Uh, every single Monday I host the flagship show. We also, we are sort of a, a liberty variety show. So we have Brian uh, every Wednesday. We, I, I'm laughing before I even mentioned this, this last the episode, but oh, I know you yes, listen yes. to it too. But I mean... <laughs> <laughs> everyone that exists that likes podcasts need, I don't care what your political views are. I don't care if you're a, a Liberty person or whatever should go listen to Brian McWilliams drunkenly trying to rein in a stone out of their mind, Hotep Jesus and Thaddeus Russell for like an hour and a half on, on electric Liberty land last week. It's it's one of my favorite podcasts maybe I've ever listened to it. Yes. <laughs> it's right up there with like Alex Jones on Joe Rogan. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, it was. It's, it really is an absolute blast. So, so yeah, uh, you're you're part of the part, part of his network here. So go 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 check out that and Hotep Jesus on Electric Liberty Land. Brian does that every single Wednesday. It's usually just him ranting about topics of the day, but he does occasionally bring in a couple of guests. And he was able to hang out with them in his hotel room um, after the Mises Caucus event in, in California. And uh, yeah, Brian, it's just it was just the perfect mix because Brian. Like Brian, uh, knowing that the story, like he drove up there, was in tremendous traffic, like didn't get there in time to eat dinner. So he's like drunk. He's whiskey drunk and didn't even eat. And then meanwhile, like Thad got Hotep Jesus high who hadn't smoked weed in like two months. So like he's it's just the perfect mix. It's so it's so much fun. Like I'm probably going to listen to it again later because I enjoyed it so much. Um, And then, of course, um, my man, John Odermatt hosts his show Finding Freedom. That is now every Thursday. Uh, That's a bit of a pivot. It. He used to have a show called yeah. Felony Friday. Uh, it's a little part of. I think we're all rebranding in our own ways, mm-hmm. uh, sort of, so to speak. Uh, his is a full, re- full on reband with a, with a new name because he found the, the Felony Friday. It, it was a little bit limiting of of a, of a title for his show because as much as we're trying to break that stigma, the word felony, just from a branding perspective, it's, yeah. it's a negative term. You know, it's, it's a term like that death. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot. I know you like it. I like it, but a lot no, of people, I, I, you know, just to, to broaden the tent, so to speak, uh, you know, they, you know, when, 
when you associate things with a negative term, a lot of people might say, oh, I, don't, I don't care about felons. I don't, yeah. don't want to listen to that. But finding freedom, now that's a lot more inspiring. So, yes. and we also moved that show from Friday to Thursday, um, just for just for pure technical reasons, because it's a better day to drop drop a podcast. Uh, so mo- every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, there you can find a new episode of Lions Liberty. And um, personally. Uh, no offense to other libertarian podcasts. Other, I, I wouldn't, you know, uh, no offense to you either, because uh, you have a great show too. But I think in the very specific liberty niche, it's hard to beat the variety that we bring on Lions of Liberty. I'm not saying any one of our podcasts are better than any one libertarian podcast. I'm, I'm not saying any one of us is better than Tom Woods or Dave Smith or even Buck Johnson. But I think together... Our powers united. We are like the yes. Liberty fucking Voltron here, and I think yeah. when, when we come together, it's hard. It's hard to beat the package. So check out Lions of Liberty, and then uh, I've been trying to expand myself out of just talking about politics. And in that vein, it's actually been almost a year since I started the Second Print Comics podcast with my friend Remzo Martinez. That actually was born out of the pandemic. It was born out of having a lot of extra free time, me wanting to channel it into something, and me being much like I'm a wrestling nerd. I'm also a lifelong comic book nerd, and I really wanted to spend some time reading more comics but i i told myself well i i can't justify just you know spending hours and hours every week reading reading comics i have so much i want to do in life unless i make one of those things i want to do in life a podcast about those comics so that is yes. where the second print comics podcast uh, sprung from and uh it took remzo all of two seconds to say yes when i asked him if he wanted to be my co-host so every every week every wednesday you can find that as well um you have all your, all you have defied feeds. all reality you have you're a libertarian who loves wrestling and comic <laughs> books, and you have a beautiful wife that just doesn't usually go together. Well, when you put it that way, I seem like the perfect human being. My yeah. God, my life, I, I, okay, my life's okay. You're right. All those things are true. Yes, and, and how do they follow you on Twitter? Twitter, I am at Mark D. Clare. That's Mark with a C, the letter D, C-L-A-I-R, at Mark D. Clare. You can also follow, of course, at Lions Liberty, at Second Print Pod uh, for, for the podcasts. But Excellent. I'm out there. I'm easy to find. Yes, I will link to all of those in the show notes page for this. Mark Claire down in Mexico. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, Buck. It's been a blast. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Counterflow Podcast. I was happy to have my friend Mark Claire on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation, and I hope it gave you some things to think about. That's my purpose on this show is to give you things to think about. And uh, until next time, well, of course, I got to say, oh, yeah, the website. The website is going strong, counterflowpodcast.com. We should have new shirts available any day now. It might just be by the time this episode drops, they could be up there and available. I will put them up there ASAP, Counterflow Podcast t-shirts. Of course, I get the good comfy ones, the ones that actually fit well and don't look all boxy and shitty on you. They will look good on you, I promise. And uh, that's about it. It's got all the media links. My social media stuff's all on the website. And like I said, go to the YouTube page, check us out, give us a subscription, subscribe on iTunes, give us a rating, a review, all of that good stuff. And until next week, you guys have an awesome week. See ya. You get split in fucking half, cause I call him the hologram brass. But I am the center inside the placenta of math. You clash with cyanide gas and die fast. Rhythmical equivalent of solids, liquid and gas. We smash your science with the power of four titans. But I am the virus inside the Live free.